A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The pot of thunder and rock and roll. The spell you're under. Will be broken by Chris Jericho. And guess what? It's Friday. It's The People's Podcast has arrived. Let's go for a ride. Untergleben, Glauten, Globen. All right. I got something to say, but I'm battling down out now. Yeah. It's a bit of a burnout land out now. Now it's gonna fade away. Oh yeah. Gonna start a fire. Rise up, gather round, rock this place to the ground. Burn it up, let's go for broke. Rock tonight, go up in smoke. Rock on, rock on. Gonna pyromania, gonna celebrate, gonna fabricate. It's just a pyromania. Come on, what do you want? What do you want? I want Jericho. You got it, out. Woo! There's a new one for you that actually worked out uh, pretty good. I just did that off the skin of my teeth, off the skin of my bottom. Reason why I did a Def Leppard song? Yeah, because Def Leppard guitar player Phil Collin is coming up. They've teamed with Kiss this summer for a monstrous, magical mystery tour. Kicks off June 23rd. It's a serious double bill, man. Both bands are doing full sets with full production, and Kiss will be closing the show every night with the pyro and special effects that only Kiss can give you. People! Oh, yeah! And come on, we know that makeup would melt right off their faces if they had to play in sunlight. No way Kiss plays in the daytime. Come on, man. 
kiss to the kings of the nighttime world, not kings of the twilight world. Def Leppard, they're going to rock it too. It's going to be a great show and a great interview with Phil Collin talking about all things Def Leppard. I'm still stoked about my uh, cowbell uh, performance there. But before we get to Phil... I just want to give you guys another big thank you for checking out my sponsors. You can find them all in one place. Just go to podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com and click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page. That'll take you to Talk as Jericho and links you to all my sponsors, including Amazon. All the Amazon links are there as well. UK, Amazon Canada, Amazon USA. So again, Please go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page, then click on Talk is Jericho and find all my great sponsors and check them out. Yes, Phil Collin coming up. I'm actually, uh, before we get to Phil, I'm going to tell you some tales. I'm here in my hotel room in London, in Trafalgar Square. Just uh, finished the first London is Jericho spoken word Q&A performance, and it couldn't have gone better. It was such a blast. had so much fun. The place was sold out, jam-packed, beautiful theater in Leicester Square. And, um, you know, I didn't really even have a set list. I start out with a story about my jacket uh, from WrestleMania 28, and then I kind of just go from there. Told some great stories about Vince McMahon, about how I got suspended for kicking the flag in Brazil, and how uh, the whole thing of me becoming the undisputed champion came about. Uh, how I ate cold pizza, locked out of my hotel room uh, the first night as as champ. Yeah, no uh, hookers and blow for me, kids. Cold pizza and uh, <laughs> locked out of a room in the Hampton Inn. Uh, Told some great tales about Ozzy Osbourne and Mike Tyson and Sharon Osbourne and Zach Wilde and some rock and roll tales about Fozzie and just, just a really, uh, really cool night. And actually, the, my set list that I had written down, I think I did three, um, three stories from it and just kind of made the rest up. Uh, did some did some cowbell songs. A lot of you, uh, a lot of people there were talk as Jericho fans. Got to hear the cowbell. What songs I did uh, is between us and them. So it was just an amazing time. Uh, had a blast doing another show in London at Leicester Square on Sunday night. So if you missed out on the show on Thursday, don't be a loser. Don't be a putz. Get, uh, get off your ass and jam, man, and get over to, to uh, Leicester Square. You can go to psievents.co.uk to find out all the details. There's still a few tickets left for Sunday. If you want to come check it out, do it, man. Saturday also download main stage really excited about making our main stage download debut it's a beautiful day here actually in London the sun is shining which is a first in London uh, for, for me around this time of year there's a lot of rain going on I remember a couple of years at download the rain uh, it rained so bad on Friday that some bands got cancelled Europe was one of them we got cancelled at download um, but not this year. It's sunny. It's going to be a great day on Saturday as we rock the main stage. We're playing early at noon, so get there early. But uh, most of you will be there anyways because you just, people just go and camp for the whole weekend. And it's amazing. I remember, I remember telling you about the last time we played Download. It was at 12 noon on the second stage, and there was about 25,000 people there. So I'm expecting it to be double that at the main stage at noon on Saturday. So it's exciting. I'm really uh, stoked to be here, and I'll be presenting at the Metal Hammer Awards on Monday. So a whole bunch of cool things going on. Um, had a crazy trip over here too. I was sitting in Tampa, 
and all ready to go on my flight. Had a nice seat picked out and had a booky book, and I was going to have a couple of drinky winkies. And the flight from Atlanta was delayed, so it landed an hour late in Tampa. Then the weather moved to Tampa, so we were uh, delayed in Tampa again. Then we flew back to Atlanta, landed like an hour and a half hours after I was supposed to. My flight was leaving at 10.55 to Heathrow, and we landed at 10.16 and then sat on the runway for almost 25 minutes. I finally got off the plane at 10.40 and then went from B-29 in the Atlanta airport all the way to F-2. So it's basically from one side of the airport to another. And I was running super fast, and I just bought new shoes, and my ankles were all blistered. <laughs> and then I get to, to the F gates, and there's like this big, long corridor. And at the end of it, you can see F-2, and there's a guy behind the desk, and I'm running as fast as I can. I'm waving like, hey, wait for me, wait for me. And the guy must have seen me coming five minutes before I got there. And I get to the front, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And they're like, no, sorry, the plane's uh, gone. I'm like, what? So yeah, we closed the door. And I was like, what are you talking about? You knew I was coming. Like, you knew that as soon as I landed, they're like, okay, we're going to call ahead and tell them. She goes, yeah, yeah, but we can't wait for one person. It's not worth waiting. And I said, what? Yeah, well, it's not worth waiting for one person. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, if there was 25 of you, then it's worth waiting, but not for one. So um, I was really angry about that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You're telling me that I'm not worthy of waiting for it. He's like, no, the, the plane has to leave on time. And I was like, but the plane left an hour and a half late from Tampa. And of course, at this point, I'm yelling at the guy and I throw my boarding pass at him. And then he's yelling at me for throwing stuff at him. And then it just becomes a pissing contest. And meanwhile, it doesn't change the fact that I arrived at the gate at 10.53. The, the plane had been pushed back to 11, got there seven minutes early, and they still didn't wait for me. And I wasn't the only one. There was like four or five other people. And. Some people were crying and it was just bad. So I was like, I'm going to get, what's your name? I want your badge number and I'm going to call your supervisor and I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I'm a diamond member and I'm a two million miler and blah, 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 blah. I never said, do you know who I am? I've never said that once in my life, nor will I. If I ever do say, do you know who I am? Shoot me. Um, and so finally it's like, you know, I'm, I called the Delta and I asked to speak to the supervisor and I explained the story and they go, we're oh, really sorry, sir. And I'm like, that's not going to cut it. I want restitution. I'm thinking, she's like, well, what do you want? I'm thinking, I want, you know, first class tickets for the whole year and I want diamond status forever. And I want a foot massage and I want free luggage and I want a cake. And like, uh, how about uh, 5,000 miles, uh, frequent flyer miles and a $200 voucher. I'm like, okay. So that was it. And I had to wait in Atlanta for 20 hours because the next flight didn't leave the next evening, 6.30. So I arrived in London this morning at 7.30 a.m., super tired, got to the hotel after I got through customs, through the traffic at about 11, slept for a couple hours and went right to London as Jericho and killed it, man. Knocked it out of the park. So it just goes to show you don't need sleep. You just need energy and some coffee and a little bit of gumption. I got some gumption. So, um, you know, then I had to come and and do these, uh, intros and ad reads and all the stuff that I love to do for talk is Jericho. And, um, I also get a a email from somebody that says there was like a huge roster cut in, in the WWE today. And it's been a long time since they had this black Friday sort of thing where a lot of people were cut all at once. Uh, let's go through the list. Uh, JTG, actually a business partner of mine. We're in a, a business together. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised that Jay got cut. It's been a long time since he's even been on TV, since he even did uh, travel to any of the shows. So kind of a drag, but not a surprise. And I think Jay's kind of set himself up with this other business that hopefully works huge because if he gets rich off it, so do I. (laughs) Oksana, uh, I thought they gave her more of a push than she ever uh, deserved. She never really picked it up. And it didn't really have that look that they're looking for in the WWE, especially after she dyed her hair black. So, um... 
you know, I saw her breaking up with Alicia Fox this week, and, and that was kind of in the line for her. Evan Bourne, very surprised. Don't even know if he's healthy, but great worker. Uh, Vince had me work a program with him a couple of years ago, and I said, I'll do this program only if you're going to do something with him. He said, of course we're going to do something with him, and of course they never did. But he's a, a great performer, a great wrestler, really enjoyed working with him. He'd be a huge uh, pickup for TNA or Ring of Honor, or uh, the Global Wrestling Force Federation that Jeff Jarrett is starting. Uh, he'd be at the top of my list. Camacho, nice guy, son of uh, of King Haku, King uh, King Tonga, Ming, great, great friend of mine. Camacho, nice guy and uh, big guy. Never really uh, got a chance to do too much. Brodus Clay, very strange. The Funkasaurus, gone, and the Funkadactyls survived. I never would have guessed that, but... I guess they kind of gave up on him and the Funkasaurus thing. And nice guy. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. Mark Harris, don't even really remember who that is. Kurt Hawkins, another guy like JTG, hasn't been used in so long. Doesn't surprise me that he's gone. Teddy Long, uh, same thing, hasn't been used in a while. Great guy, uh, good performer, can do it all. I'm actually surprised that he maybe didn't try and find something behind the scenes for Teddy. He's that type of guy, nice guy that could have done, I don't know, um, time be a, a timekeeper or... You know, be the guy who collects money on the road shows, that sort of thing. But I guess they felt elsewhere, elsewise, otherwise. Jinder Mahal, uh, basically 3MB, was a comedy act. And Jinder never really had a lot of personality, I guess. Uh, which is too bad, though, because he did have something, but it just never worked out for him. Drew McIntyre, that's a big surprise for me. I think that uh, Drew could have been a lot bigger than he was. I think he got sidetracked when he got married to uh, Taryn. I don't think that worked out too well for him politically. And once again, once you're in the 3MB, it's kind of the end of the line. It's funny that Heath Slater, out of all the guys, is the one that stayed. But if I was TNA or Ring of Honor or Global Wrestling Force, I would pick up Drew McIntyre as well. He'd be another guy that would be on my instant list along with Evan Bourne because I think Drew has a lot to offer, and he's unique. He's got the Scottish accent. Put him in a suit and make him serious. You know, uh, All you'd have to do is have him come out and beat up guys for like a month, and you would forget right away about the whole 3MB thing. Uh, give us like that. Don't damage your your career. But they definitely heard it, and he needed to get out of it, and they needed a fresh start. So I'm a big believer in Drew, and I think that he can do a lot more. Uh, and so hopefully he'll get a chance. Uh, Yoshitatsu, another guy who's been kind of on the fringe for ages. I actually worked with Yoshi in Tokyo, and we tore the house down, and we had one match afterwards in the States. And I was like, listen, man, enough of this like acting nice, uh, humble Japanese thing. I want to see a killer out there like I saw in Tokyo. And if if you don't give it to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. So he worked um, this match, and he's been very timid, you know, kind of polite, almost like intimidated because I was Chris Jericho or whatever it was. Don't you know who I am? And he, uh, I, I just said, screw this. I took my elbow pad off, and I dropped a knee right in the middle of his face. I think I broke his nose. He started bleeding, and then he just started going crazy. It's funny because when someone gets bleed, bloody in the WWE now, they make you take a break. And I had to sit there while they stitched him up. And I sat, I grabbed a chair and I sat in the middle of the ring. And as he got stitched up, he was just staring at me. And finally, when we were ready to continue the match, he came and beat the living hell out of me. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want. It was like Reg Dunlop and Slapshot when he causes the guy to beat him up. And he's just kind of smiling. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. So uh, Yoshitatsu, maybe he can go back to Japan and work there. But once again, hadn't really been doing much in the WWE and his time had kind of come and gone. So no real surprises on this list, the exception of Evan and, and Drew. But like I said, both those guys uh, have a long way that they can go to uh, to uh, contribute to the business. And I think I called him Drew McIntyre. If I ever called him Drew McDonald, that's because there's a guy in England called Drew McDonald that I work with. But good luck to everybody that got let go and don't give up. Keep following your dreams 
And uh, if you really believe in yourself, you know you can make it. So once again, anybody that got uh, released, it's always a, it's always a drag. But um, it's not the end of the world as you know it. You can still come back and uh, uh, be a star. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Talk is Jericho. On the line right now, uh, my good friend and the one of the uh, sexiest men in rock, Phil Collin from Def Leppard is here. How you doing, man? Hey, hey, great, Chris. How you doing? Good. I was laughing. We were, I was waiting for you to call, and you said you were watching old Mike Tyson fights. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was trying to connect, and, and for some reason, it kept getting it was busy signal and all sorts. But I was, oh, that, know, I was just I was laughing yeah. though. Are you, are you are you a big boxing fan? I know you do a lot of kickboxing on the road. Do you like watching boxing all the time? I do, and I love Mike Tyson. You know, I just thought he was just the the, the best. You know, so I, do, I just love watching the. Them old fights, like, it, great. He, he was such a beast back in those days. You know, I, I don't think at his peak, you often hear, you know, would it be Ali versus Tyson? But I think Tyson would have even beaten Ali maybe back in his. Back I, in his I prime. do. I really think that. I, I think you know, everyone says he's, he's just an animal, and that he wasn't. He was just. It's such perfect technique. You know, yeah. hitting with his whole body. You know, just like winding up. You know, shoulders going back, and just you know, um, there's one that was on. He was like fighting Tony Tucker, who's about twelve feet tall. Yeah, and, and Tyson. You know, he's, he's doing a, a jumping hook and everything. It's just uh, perfect. It's amazing technique. Great. We, we did a thing a couple of years ago where Tyson came on Raw with, with the WWE, and the uh, he and I were in a tag team, and I was warming up with them before, and he was uh, I had the little boxing pads on, and he was hitting yeah. he was hitting me, uh, you know, doing the warm up so hard, Phil, my shoulder felt like it was going to popped out, and this is a Mike yeah. Tyson at forty five years old, probably at he was really overweight at the time before he lost that weight, but he was still yeah. such powerful punching. I was like, this guy would have killed anybody when he was twenty years old. Absolutely, yeah, amazing. But it's good. To, wow, it's good to talk to you, Phil. It's been a while. Um, Absolutely, so much good stuff going on. Uh, June twenty third, the tour, big tour starts. Kiss and Def Leppard going out on the road. Have you ever played with Kiss before? Back in the old days, I, maybe. I have. I, you know, my old band girl, we actually opened up for them on their last tour with the makeup on. So that was like nineteen eighty or something, right? And um. And just, you know, I bumped into them over the years, known Paul and Gene and, and stuff. And, you know, they're, they're great. They've, they've always been really cool. So I think this would be fun. Well, I mean, every summer you guys go out and you always have such an amazing package um, you put together. But usually you guys are on, on top, the headliners. Now it's a co-headlining tour, but Kiss is closing the show. Is that intimidating uh, to know that you have the, all of this makeup and pyro that you got to put up with? Are you going to have to do you pick up your show or you guys just do what you do? Yeah. No, no, we, we, the, the, without sounding arrogant, you know, I think we're the best live rock band out there. You know, I think, nice. you know, we, we do our own vocals. We actually, we, we, you know, we play our asses off and stuff. And, uh, so I'm, I'm so proud of that. So I, I never get intimidated. In fact, it, it does the opposite. It's like, you know, even when there's people on the side of the stage, you know, with, you know, there's Jimmy Page on the side of the stage once, it actually makes me play better. Wow. Yeah. You, that you, you can go one way or the other. I know a lot of guys that they go, oh, and they kind of, 
you know, hired and <laughs> sheepishly kind of <laughs> yeah. hired into them. So I, I did the complete opposite. It's almost like, I, a, I, like a trial by fire. I mean, when you got, like you said, Jimmy Page on the side of the stage, it's like, all right, kid, let's see what you got. Absolutely, yeah. So you ham it up, you play on your knees, and all. I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's all that stuff. It's killer. Well, um, it, it's interesting too. I was just thinking about how things used to be, even when you guys were starting, or through the years when you played. That you know, it would be like. When Kiss went on tour, they would always kind of take a, a, a lesser-known band. You know what I mean? Like they discovered, you know, I guess you know Cheap Trick or Ted Nugent or you know all yeah. these great bands. Now it seems like it's more about the big package tours. Do you think that that's a little bit harder for younger bands to get that experience of playing in front of so many people because it's, it, there's so many like two giant legendary bands playing together, and there's really not a lot of space for another band underneath that. It's kind of the way the way, the way that it's going right now. It is, but then there's there's other ways. I mean, there's there's kind of Coachella type bands, and right. they go and they do all these festivals and stuff like that. And I, I, I think because it's um it's changed so much the industry. There's a little bit of um a survival mode as well. I, I think you know there's there's less mm. and less. I mean, there's less and less promoters. There's less and less of everything. So you you kind of have to circle wagons a little bit. So there's definitely a, a, a taste for survival, and it's just a bit tougher for newer bands, newer artists, because, um, you, you know, really in this day and age, you know, no one really cares that much unless it's some big pop band. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's, that's the problem. So, um, yeah, I do, I do think there's a bit of survival mode there. And, I, and plus, you know, the fans, it's, it's kind of like a no-brainer for the fans. They, they get to see a great show. There's like no... Yeah. Um, you know, it's a guarantee. It's not like, well, I don't know this support band, and you know, am I going to take a chance on this? Whereas they go, okay, this is tried and tested, so I'll absolutely go for that. It's like every single song that you're going to be hearing when when Kiss and Def Leppard play is a hit, basically. You know? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Were you were you a Kiss fan in the seventies? I, I missed it because I'm, you know, I'm from England, so it was so different, you know, and, and it. It was, you know, I'd seen the photos, I'd seen the albums and that, and like I said, we opened up for them mm -hmm. in, in 1980, but I was, you know, I was, I was into American bands, but it, it was different stuff, and, and plus, obviously, all the, you know, the Zeppelins, the Purples, yes. the, the Queen, and all the Who, Stones, and all that stuff, you know, we, we had all the homegrown stuff. Who, who were your favorite bands back in those days? Um, the first band I ever saw was Deep Purple, and that, that really made me play guitar. I saw Richie Blackmore smashing this strap and just playing his <laughs> ass off. And that, that, that done it for me. That actually kind of made, made me go and uh, pester my mum and dad for a guitar, which took two years. But yeah, no, that, that's the thing that done it. And David Bowie, T-Rex, you know, just everything that come out of, of, of England, really. It was such a great scene at the time with so many classic bands, like you mentioned. Were you a big Queen fan as well? Huge, huge Queen fan, yeah. I think, you know, we, we modeled Def Leppard on, on a, a cross between Queen and ACDC. That was, that was kind of like the blueprint, oh. you know. If we're in, somewhere in between that, then, then we're kind of uh, doing something cool. You can see that, too, especially with the vocals. Like, there's so many layered, stacked harmony vocal parts. I mean, that's definitely a Queen influence there, right? Yeah. For sure, without a doubt. You know, it's, it, I, I, was, I wanted to ask you about Queen. I just happened to watch it the other day uh, for a couple of minutes. It was the Freddie Mercury tribute when he passed away in Wembley Stadium in '92? Def Leppard right. was was had a huge prominent role in that show. What do you mem remember about that show? How cool was that? It was great. I mean, there was all these other, there were so many, you know, bands on. And uh, me and Joe Elliott got to sneak on stage and, and sing with uh, David Bowie, Ian Hunter, and the remaining members of Queen, and Mick Ronson on guitar. So yeah. It, it, that was, 
that was a real highlight. I've got to say, we've done all the young dudes and we were just singing, but it was uh, just doing backing vocals. So it was, it was just very cool at the on stage with, you know, with Bowie there and everything. It, it was amazing just the, 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 how big that show was too at Wembley Stadium with like you know, 80,000 people and all the bands. I mean, it, besides Def Leppard and, you know, there was Guns N' Roses and Metallica and George Michael and even like Liza Minnelli and Elton John. Like, it, it's, right, yeah. you, you'll never see something like that again. You know, I, I know absolutely. Yeah, so monumental. I was laughing uh, when we were talking. You talking about the, the press conference that you guys had with Kiss when you announced the tour, and they asked Paul Stanley his favorite uh, Def Leppard song. He said "Photograph," but he said he could never figure out how to play it. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> I know. Yeah, no, yeah. We struggle with that. We actually we got it down now, but we, <laughs> thirty we, years later. First, oh yeah, when it first came out, yeah, you know, we really struggled with it because it's, it's, there's so many harmonies and stuff, and. Uh, Love Vites was another one. You know, we'd recorded all this stuff on the album, uh-huh. and we'd never played it live. And, and it went to number one in the Billboard charts. And we'd never played it as a band. You know, we, it was all done separately. And uh, oh. we had to take two days off off uh, during a tour and just just play that song over and over again to try and like get the vocals and the guitar parts together. You know, you're so, talking you're, ta- funny. you're talking about Love Love Bites. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned photograph too. Ed. That song was already written when you got into the band, right? Was the Pyromania record almost done by the time you joined? It, it was, and I did. The great thing about that, I just said, just play some solos over it, just play guitar over it, and and then he heard me sing and said, well, you should sing some backing vocals, and then I did more and more. But I had all the fun parts, you know, all the songs were written, all the uh, <laughs> the real hard graft and donkey work was done. I just come in and, and like played solos and fired <laughs> and just done. Just all the stuff on the top, which is all the real fun stuff, you know. So was that riff we're talking about photograph being such a difficult riff? Was that written by Steve Clark? Yeah, it was. And, and you know, it's a two-guitar part. A lot of people can't play it because they, they can't figure out there's oh. actually two guitars, and it sounds like one. Oh. So it's, a, it's a little trick there. So that's, that's what really kind of confuses people. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so, so Steve was was a was a major songwriter in Def Leppard. Uh... Absolutely, and um, the great thing about Steve, he would come up with very unique stuff. I'd never met a guitar player that that didn't do all the standard stuff. Like mm-hmm. he'd come along and, and he'd play something that would that you'd never heard before. He'd really unique. You know, stuff that, that that was kind of completely out of the blue. You go, wow, where'd you, where'd you get that? And he'd, <laughs> you know, he'd get Led Zeppelin wrists and turn them backwards and, and you know, do harmony chords and that. So he was amazing, very, um, you know, insightful and kind of and, and, and open and, and kind of uh, not, not just kind of linear. He, he would kind of go, you know, deep and yeah. uh, very cool. Do you find that he's kind of underrated as far as, you know, his place in, in history, like as, as a songwriter, as a guitar player? I, I do, but you know, I also it's a, it's a, I, I think Brian May is as well, and I think yeah. Stephen Brian May. I think if you become the ultimate team player, sometimes you get ignored a little bit hmm. as, as far as that stuff goes. Uh, another one that's always surprising: Jimmy Page is the most amazing arranger producer, and and I think people got confused. They they, they said, oh, he's, he's this great guitar player, which he is, but yeah. it, it was more it was more this stuff he was doing like it was so unique and and, and different and and hmm. you know and not just the same old same old and i think both steve and brian may fall into that category it's interesting that you say that because um you, you mentioned acdc earlier and acdc is is a perfect example of people underrating them as 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 players because they don't do fancy riffs and a lot of 
you know, a lot of fills and all that sort of thing. But as a machine, you mentioned team player, and that yeah. that's the secret of being a great band. Like for example, ACDC, that is the best machine as far as every guy doing exactly what's right for the tune and just making it so powerful. Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't want to go as a band. You wouldn't want to go on after ACDC's just gone off, you know, because <laughs> it's like got that. You, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Some bands, you know, you got some great player or someone singing and, and, and doing all this crazy stuff, but. As as a team, you know, you, the overall thing when people are just sitting in a room and, and or a, an arena listening to that, like you 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 can't really follow that because it's got such a a drive, it's such a force, you know, yeah. like a, a tornado. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I uh, felt that too when Vivian Campbell joined Def Leppard. In you know, he was known for Dio and and his crazy blistering solos. But in Def Leppard, he plays exactly what he's supposed to play. There's no fancy flashy parts. Was it? Uh, how was it? Getting when you first started playing with Vivian, was it a natural chemistry right off the bat? Did you have auditions to replace Steve, or did you know Vivian right away? Was no, the guy? we actually we had a, we saw but we didn't have auditions for say, but we saw about five different guys that we actually invited down that, that that we thought were really cool, and it was it was more to do with the personality. Someone that they had to be able to sing as right. well. That was the other thing, and 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 be part of a, a machine, like exactly like you're saying. You know, anyone can can do that. I, I know like a million guitar players who can just you know, wipe the floor with everyone guitar playing wise, and then then you go, okay, well, I want you to sing, uh-huh. and then I want you to, then I also want you to play within this song structure with this band, and they can't do it. So that was the main thing that that we really wanted, and plus a personality, you know. Uh, yeah. Initially, when Steve died, I actually didn't really want to be in the band anymore because it really? was like, yeah, he was he was my best friend, and and you know, it just sucked. It was mm-hmm. like. It wasn't like the gang thing anymore, you know. My buddy had gone, but also, you know, the, you know part of the team. It was like, yeah. So, uh, you know, Joe had to talk me off the ledge, basically. You know, he said, well, you know, we wrote these songs with Steve, so you know, it's, it's the least we could do to honor him, and 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 that's really what we did. Was there a gap in songwriting too when Steve left, or did you have to pick up the slack as a songwriter? Um, just different. I think with a band or, or an artist per se, you you always constantly evolving so mm-hmm. that wasn't you know I, I do miss his songwriting and, and, and the riffs and everything that he come up with but we, we everyone was was coming into their own anyway you know right uh, joe and and sav you know would, would be writing very different types of songs so we it would all that didn't happen so much because we're all in this discovery journey if you know what i mean sure so that, that was the cool thing you guys are now working on a new record. You have been for for a few months now, uh, doing it in Ireland, actually, of all places. What, what, how is that coming along, and how is it being back in the studio? I mean, it's been a while. It, it has actually. This was really weird because we said, "Oh, perhaps we'll get a song or an EP or something for next year," and we went over to Joe's house in Dublin and got eleven songs started, which is it blew me away because we're notoriously slow. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we, don't really get that thing together so um it was just really good everyone was very open-minded about different ideas and everything and there was so many different ideas flying around that it was just uh it was just very exciting so i I go back in uh, may i think i go um may the 15th i think we Mm -hmm. pick off again and, and do some more more writing and in the meantime i'm doing a, a another album like a blues album it, well it's not really but it's like extreme blues or we're calling it alternative roots because it's it's really over the top it's this um it started off being bluesy but when we started recording electric it ended up sounding more like led zeppelin so hmm. um and that's, that's me it's debbie blackwell cook who, who's 
uh, my wife Helen's godmother. Um, okay. She's this uh, black woman, uh, 60-year-old, just sings her ass off. It's kind of <laughs> like a cross between uh, Shaka Khan and, and uh, uh, Tina Turner. It's that oh, kind of yeah, yeah. really powerful voice. Soulful voice. Um, yeah. And R- Robert DeLeo, who, who plays bass with Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. playing bass. He's on it when he, he's killing it. We're actually re- recording with him at the moment, and it, it's amazing. And Forrest Robinson, who um, who, who actually pl- I met him, he was playing with India RE, and then played on a lot of this kind of al- almost hip hop kind of R and B stuff. Mm-hmm. But then he, he played drums for the Crusaders, which is jazz, you know. Yeah. But really, he's, a, he's an ultimate rock drummer. You know, he actually sounds like a <laughs> Someone spliced in between John Bonham and Billy Cobham, if you can imagine that. It's like just crazy playing. So uh, just the four of us have, have, have managed to get this uh, this, this monstrous sound. And, and C.J. Vanston, who's, who's a writing partner I've been writing with for years, he plays keyboard. He's doing one of the songs as well. And so uh, I, it's just, just I, I'm loving it. What's the, uh, what's the project called? Delta Deep. Delta Deep. So what led, yeah. you, to go, what led you to go down that road, down the blues path? Um, well, me and Debbie were sitting around like playing acoustic. So she, you know, she she sang at our wedding, and uh-huh. she's she's always singing. You know, she's been singing gospel and and everything since she was four. And and we done a, a charity event down at the Gerson Institute in San Diego, and we we done a few blues songs. And everyone was going, "Oh my God, where where can we buy this music?" And we said, "Well, we, you know, this." There's nothing, you know, we're just doing a, a few blues songs here and there, a few Motown songs. And they said, well, let us know. And so we started writing songs and then uh, it, it become electric. And before you know it, it's got this kind of sound. It's, it sounds like an entity. I can't really describe it. But uh, hmm. as soon as we've got some stuff, I'll send you some because it's just it's, it's killer. Well, it must be fun, too. I mean, that's one thing that's, that's great about being a musician is playing with other musicians. And obviously, you played with Def Leppard for years. And it, it must be kind of cool to get out there with some new guys and get some new you know, techniques and some new ways of thinking as far as uh, putting together songs and, and playing them. It really is. It's, a, it's always um, an adventure. And it's, a, it's an education. You know, it never stops being that. And I'm, I'm so pleased that, you know... I, None of us allow the ego to, to ever, you know, yeah. to be a lot of artists and that, and they, they can't do that. They can't grow like that because, you know, there's an there's a, a ego block that stops them. So um, it's just wonderful. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's just very inspiring to, to just be doing different stuff, you know. Do you, do you change your technique at all or use any additional tricks or things that you don't use in Def Leppard when you're playing with Delta Deep, doing blues? Um, it's way more aggressive. I, I play way more aggressive in, in this, and it's... Um, it, singing aggressive in it and, and just uh, just the whole thing. So yeah, there, there's a, a big difference. I mean, it's still obviously me playing guitar, but it's sure. uh, it, it, it's, very, it's a very different approach. It's like just way open and, and kind of loud almost. Now know? that's interesting. That goes against kind of the perception. You're talking about rock and roll being in a rock and roll band, a hard rock band at that, and being in a blues band. But you're playing more aggressively with the blues band. How do you mean by that? Um, I, I think you know, not 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 lo- knocking a lot, you know, a lot of the blue stuff that's around these days. But it's very tired and the same old thing. And I yeah. think what what we're doing with this, it's just very aggressive. I've, I've never heard blues like this. It's um, yeah. it's just it, it almost sounds like Rage Against the Machine does uh, Muddy Waters. Crazy, <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine that. Rage Against the Waters. Absolutely. <laughs> now, also, too, you also have kind of a, a punk project, Man Rays, which we talked about a, a, a few years yeah. ago as well. That gives you a different outlet as well to, to play well, something it, a little bit different. It, 
It totally does. You know, it's Paul Cook from the Sex Pistols on drums and Simon Laffey was a wild man girl. And um, it, that's great. We, we actually, on, on the Delta Deep album, they're playing one of the tracks. It's this actually Man Ray with Debbie singing on it. And, uh, you know, that's that's really cool as wow. well. So we, uh, yeah. Now, are you singing uh, lead in, in Man Ray's? Yeah. Uh, in Man Ray's, I am yeah, but on Delta Deep, I, yeah. a lot, a lot of the stuff we do, we do duets, and but most of the time Debbie's singing this stuff, and I just do all the backing vocals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's one thing that that you know, backing vocals. You mentioned earlier about Def Leppard about singing all your vocals. I mean, you have five singers on stage, and there's some very intricate parts. How did you? I mean, when you, I mean, obviously you've been playing these songs for so long, but do you guys do like just vocal rehearsals and get together and and, and warm up together as far as knowing your parts, or how did you guys get it so locked in vocally on stage? Because that's not the easiest thing to do. No, I think all credit has to go to Mutt Langer, who um, who really taught us how to sing, you know, and he, he made mm. us sing certain ways when we was doing the records, you know. He'd, uh, so I, I really honestly learned to play guitar properly through him and, and, and sing, you know. He'd, he'd get you to sing with a groove and, and, you know, kind of get the melody right and everything. And so so really when we start rehearsing, you know, I, even after the Pyramanus or before Hysteria, we we get into that kind of um, frame of mind that, that he would actually that he got started for us and uh, and we still do it to this day actually so we we actually owe him a lot for for everything you know. Well, I've heard the stories. I mean, I just read a book about ACDC that was talking about their experiences with Mutt on Highway to Hell and Back in Black and for those about to rock. I mean, you worked with Mutt for three records too. Obviously, your your two biggest records of all time were with Mutt Lang. What is it about this guy that has he has such a magic touch? Uh, to, to make you guys, you know, t- turn into a completely different band? Um, I've never worked with anyone in any occupation or anything I've ever done that works that hard mm-hmm. as Mutt. And he has no ego. It, it's amazing, you know, especially someone that intelligent and that kind of um, talented. Right. To just be that, that open and, and kind of... It's great, and it's actually a pleasure. It's so inspiring to to be sitting around with someone, you know, in a room, and, and he's coming up with these ideas. I mean, I, I actually played on a thing with him last year, and uh, he he was making me play this guitar stuff, and I, I was like, I couldn't do it. I, I'm like, where, where on earth are you getting this from? He <laughs> makes it up on the spot. It's just amazing. So, uh, no, he's, he's, he's so solid, and it's just a pleasure to be around him. You learn so much, you know. It's a... Uh, and, and it's not intimidating. I, it's not for me because I, I, I think it's, you know, it's like I said, it's a learning process and you, you're just mm-hmm. so so inspired and, and you're picking all this stuff up that, that you haven't heard before. So it, it's wonderful. Like I said, he has no no, no ego and, and the way he deals with, with with people and everything. It's very diplomatic and just, yeah, it's, it's just great. So, I, know, I know some bands don't, don't have that same experience, but, you know, I've always had just an an amazing experience working with him. Do you ever, did you ever think about maybe working with him again when you did this new record? Yeah, I, I think the the problem we always have is because we, we, like I said, we traditionally take so long. I, yeah. I don't think, you know, he, he doesn't really have the time anymore. He does so so much other stuff that um, I don't think we could fit it in. I mean, unless we've done like a song, you know, which... Uh, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, but um, we, we're actually on a bit of a roll, you know, with Def Leppard, with, with the songwriting already. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back in May. So it's, it's cool. When, when are you uh, hoping to put that out, the new Def Leppard record? I think it'll probably be next year because, you, you know, like I said, but, it, you know, it's not actually going to be an EP or a single song. It's actually going to be a real album. So that's, uh, that's exciting in itself.
It is exciting. You know what I love about it, too, is it would be easy for you guys to just sit in the, not, not in a rut, but I mean, you go tour every summer like we, we spoke about. People know what songs they want to hear, but it's great to do music, mu- new music as a musician because playing the same songs every night, it probably does get a little bit tedious. Yeah, just, I mean, more so for, it's a kind of a weird one, this, because a lot of the fans go, we want to hear new music. Then you play a live show and they say, but we just want to hear all the old stuff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you have to walk this kind of delicate line. You know, I think the Stones do it very well. They, they um, you know, Doom and Gloom was their, their single yeah. the last tour. And it was great. I, it was such a great song. It was a cool song. I agree. I yeah. Agree. Yeah. And then they went out there and they're doing Jumping Jack Flash and they, they put new life into the old songs, which I thought was cool. You know, Mick Taylor coming out. Yeah. That was I awesome. think you have to do all of this stuff. It was, you know, it was really cool to see them. So, uh, yeah, I think you have to, you know, learn something from from those. They're masters at it, you know. So it's, yeah. Uh, I thought I thought it was really uh, a really smart idea, and I'm not sure if it was calculated or not. The last time I saw you guys, which I believe was two summers ago, you guys opened. You had a, a new song that was on your live record. I think it was, was it called Unbreakable or Unstoppable or oh, Undefeated. Undefeated. undefeated yeah. I knew it was on something. But you opened with the new tune, which was smart. I thought because everybody's ready to see Def Leppard, and you start playing this new song, and you're getting a great reaction just because it's the beginning of the set. And you know what I mean? Absolutely. People. Uh, they have to hear the new tune because you're just starting the set. Oh, that's a nice little trick, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> it was very smart. Yeah, especially, you know, because it's part of a theatrical piece. You know, if you, if you actually you know, treat it as, yeah, you know, you, you come yeah. on, you, you actually do that. And, and you've got your new single out of the way. So it actually takes on, it's more powerful than it actually would do if someone just heard it. You know, I, thought, I thought it was a very smart move. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, these guys did the right thing. That was really cool. It was really smart. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking wow. to Phil Collin of Def Leppard. They're going on tour with Kiss on June 23rd. We're going to check in with our sponsors and more Phil Collin on the way. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Talk is Jericho. Here with Phil Collin of Def Leppard talking about all the cool stories about Hysteria and Mutt Lang. You guys just did your Las Vegas uh, residency. Viva Hysteria was the name of the site where you played Hysteria in its entirety. How was that? That was great. Me and Joe have been wanting to do that for 20 years. I did Cheap Trick done whole albums before, you know, uh-huh. back in the day in, in the theater. And that's where we got the idea. And uh, we wanted to do that. And we just, all of a sudden, we just got this offer. They, you know, they, they Hard Rock said, you know, will you guys do a residency? And we said, yeah. They said, but would you play a series? And we're like, yes, great, fantastic, <laughs> finally. So when you guys are rehearsing, I mean, there's some songs like, you know, Don't Shoot Shotgun or Run Riot. I mean, you probably have never played those live. Did you have to go back and, and try and relearn the songs? Yeah, they were really hard as well. <laughs> Vivian had never played them. I, I think, you know, and just singing some of the parts while you're playing some of the guitar parts is, is actually, was actually the hardest part. You know, we'd actually um, try and divide them up so it would make it easier if someone's singing a certain thing that's easier then they, they play a harder guitar part and, and vice versa. So, yeah, you have to sit around and get all of that. And we wanted to make it as, as close as we could. You know, there's uh-huh. 
you know, on the record, like some some of the songs have like you know eight or ten guitar parts going off at the same time. So you just choose the most prominent ones mm-hmm. uh, and then the most prominent vocal and and, and kind of go with that. But it was it's so much fun actually just digging into that and actually relearning all that stuff. It was actually a blast. Which song uh, was the hardest out of the ones that you had to relearn? Um, it was those two. It was "Don't Shoot Shotgun" and "Run Riot" because they. You have to, you know, scream. Like the singing's almost like, you know, give yourself a hernia. It's like balls <laughs> to the wall kind of screaming while you're playing this kind of precise guitar riff. And, and you know, you, it's, it's really easy to mess up when you're doing both, mm-hmm. you know, being extreme about both kind of things. So, um, yeah, it was great. Like I said, you know, it's a, it was a cool thing to do. And ho- hopefully we're going to do it again. We, we, we offer got an offer but um we're not sure when we'll be able to do it yet well i mean it's such a, a classic record i mean back back in those days 25 years ago you could actually have seven singles from a record which is what hysteria had so there's hits all the way through so even people that might not know like the more of the the deep cuts it's still kind of sprinkled with hits throughout so did did the whole uh, the whole album go over huge with with your fans that showed up to see it it did, and you know, we we broke it into two sections. We actually was our own opening act, and we called ourselves Dead Flat Bird, you know, <laughs> yeah. with a, a you know a curtain behind us, and we done all crazy stuff like wasted, you know, Good Morning Freedom B sides and right and stuff off High and Dry and, and Adrenalizer, all different you know deep cuts and everything. Then we went off, came back twenty minutes later, and the, the screen opened up, and then we had a big production and, and played Hysteria album. It actually felt. Different. It actually felt like we were two different bands, which was very weird. I gotta say. Did you guys wear uh, like different clothes for Dead Flatbirds? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we kind of um, in disguise. Well, not in disguise, but yeah, different personalities. Yeah. It's funny. You finally gave the hardcore fans, like you know, the Eddie Trunks of the world, what they've been asking for for years for you guys to play all those old tunes from the first couple records. Completely. Eddie loved it. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, Good Morning Freedom. Yeah, it was like, why don't you ever play that? You know, why don't you ever play this one? It's like, well, Eddie, this is definitely for you. He loved it. <laughs> did people know? Did they, did they know that they were going to see you guys open as the Dead Flatbirds, or was it like just a surprise? No, it was a surprise. And what was really scary, and this is the God's honest truth, um, there were people in the audience going, these guys suck, and I can't believe they're doing they're a real crap Def Leppard cover band. And, and it's like, but the drummer's got one arm. You know, it's obviously really us. And, but there was people out there actually thought it was, um, it was some no, other guys. This cover band is so good, they actually even found a, went, a one-armed drummer as well. Absolutely. Right. Like, what do they think? I mean, it's obvious that it's you, that it's you playing guitar, right? It's, it's not like, like you, you said, you weren't, so. you, weren't wearing, you weren't wearing disguises. Well, I was wearing a shirt, so, you know, that was, that was a kind of disguise, yeah. They didn't recognize you, man. That's right. I was right. going to ask. And you had to borrow that shirt because you don't own any shirts. Right, absolutely. I had to borrow that. And Joe had a hat on. It was like, yeah, very different look. <laughs> where, where, where did you get the name Dead Flatbirds? Um, when my son Rory was born in New York, and he was born in 1990, um, his mum was going to these, like, you know, Lamar's classes and all that stuff. And uh, one of the... The other mothers there said, so your husband plays in a band, and what, what's the name of it? And she said, Death Leopard. Dead Flat Bird. She thought that's what she had said. So we, um, 
we had some T-shirts made up, and uh, it just did dead flat bird. So we kind of just, you know, resurrected well, that. You know, it, I'm sure it was the same when you guys first started. I mean, I know you joined the band a couple years later, but even when, when before the band became famous, to say the name Def Leppard, I mean, you know, my band is Fozzy, and to say that, you know, most, you know, some people still are like, Fozzy, what's that? It must have been the same with Def Leppard before you guys became just part of the uh, cultural fabric. Like, what does a Def Leppard even mean, you know? That's a, that's a very good point. I have no idea, but um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, because it came about, Joe, Joe was doing a, a project for, like, a school project, and uh-huh. that, that to make a, a poster for an imaginary band, and, and he made this thing, probably a spoof on, Def, on Led Zeppelin, because mm-hmm. it kind of... You know, it kind yeah, of sounds like that. Spelt it wrong, too. Uh, yeah, and then when, when they formed the band, you already had a poster, and that was it, really. <laughs> Listen, we already have a poster. We don't have to worry about that. Let's just use this name. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned before about uh, we made a joke about you not wearing a shirt. I mean, obviously, it's kind of one of your trademarks. And why not? I mean, you look great. You're, you're in amazing shape, and you have been for years. What, Thanks, how is your uh, training regimen when you're on the road, especially when you're getting ready to go out for a couple months? Is there special things well, you have to take with you, and, and how do you kind of stay in that type of shape? Yeah, I think consistency is the thing. And as you know, diet and, and everything. So, yeah. But, uh, what I, and this is really weird. I had a weird accident last year i had to have an operation on my my tendon slipped off my knuckle i was actually getting in a boxing ring really i just pushed my yeah i pushed my hand down to to get balance and it just went it slurped slurped and kind of popped off oh. so i had to have it stitched back and um I, I i actually got up to doing i was actually bench pressing 380 pounds in vegas wow uh, and I'm, I'm 155 so that's crazy that's like ant ant strength you're like an ant lifting double your weight i know so now since all this i'm actually really struggling to to do 120 so um i mean let me also remind you that you're uh, a guitar player phil i mean how did that affect your guitar playing never mind your weightlifting well i i wear a cast for six weeks and i actually couldn't play actually I, I took the cast off and my um wrist was flopping all over the place and uh, i actually learned to play slide guitar because i, I couldn't hold a guitar for, oh. for a little while and then um now you wouldn't even know i've got this, this great physical therapist yeah scott moncrief who's down down here in in laguna and mm-hmm. uh he, he's been putting me through all this stuff and i had this amazing surgeon um john in in, in paris actually yeah okay thing back on so I, I was in really good hands and um that that worked a treat and i just have to be <laughs> a bit careful with it so at the moment i'm I'm actually just getting into the two workouts a day like one body part in the morning i'll just do weight yeah obviously not nowhere near like what i was doing before and then in the afternoon i'll just uh kick pads i can't really hit with my left hand too much mm-hmm. at the moment and I said, really take it easy, or, or anything else, you know, a rowing or a spin bike, any, any bit of cardio, and and then you know, as you know, you know, you split it up and you eat right. At a certain point, they kind of meet in the middle, and you go, oh, okay, I'm ready to go. So, what do you do when you're on tour? Do you take a, a, some weights with you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've um, like a bench press and, and bands as well. I, I think it's it's mm-hmm. pretty cool, you know, just doing push ups and bands. You can just get a, a killer workout with that, and. Uh, you know, the last tour, last few tours, actually, I, I John Carrillo was a, 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 a Muay Thai kickboxing uh, 
coach and uh, he was world champion coach and uh, he was out so i was actually doing all, all the pads and stuff all the time which was really cool yeah but um but this time i'm, I'm having to, i'm coming back kind of a bit more gradually so it's a, it's a little liar yeah. i'm gonna probably weigh a little less this time instead of being 155 i'm trying to get down to like 148 or something well i mean i remember when i came and saw you guys backstage you had the big uh, kickboxing you know uh apparatus set up and plus you were a really big juicer as well you actually got me into juicing i stopped right. because i stopped because it, it's so hard to clean the damn juicer when you're done it was Isn't like it? driving me nuts <laughs> it, 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 and that's isn't that funny that's the one thing that puts you off doing it because I, I, I know sometimes in fact it's sitting in my sink right now actually I've, I've got to clean it out and it's all caked with stuff so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's like if someone would just make it for me if there was a Jamba juice by my house or in my kitchen I would have juice like three times a day but I'm far too lazy to clean the thing out <laughs> now, now tell us, tell us. I remember the, the recipe you gave me is. I don't know if it's still the same, but tell tell my listeners the Phil Collin super duper special juice uh, ingredients. What's the mix? Well, I think the, there's there's one that, that you know the basic one is like the, the carrot, and it has to be organic, you know, fruits and veggies, organic uh, carrots, apples, ginger, and a bit of lemon, and and. That mm-hmm. always tastes good. But, you know, kale is really good. We always throw kale in there as well. Oh, so, right, yeah. And on, on tour, you know, it's what, whatever's kind of left around. We just throw them. Throw <laughs> yeah, them yeah. yeah we, we, we had on our rider when I was going through my juice phase of the ginger. And when I stopped doing it, we would always have ginger. To this day, like the, the, somebody didn't change the rider. It's like, we don't need ginger anymore. No one's, no one's eating this. Like, <laughs> right, absolutely. It's wow. such a weird-looking thing, too, like this stupid thing of ginger thrown on the table. It is. It looks kind of, yeah, it looks pornographic <laughs> or something. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Now, uh, this is a, a serious question. I, I, I always wanted to ask you this. You know, uh, when you're playing, the stage lights are hot. I mean, you've got a, a you know, 15, 20 pound guitar around your shoulders. Is it, when you're not wearing a shirt, does that, uh, does the strap chafe your, does it leave a rash? Does it hurt? Is it tight? No, I think because, um, I think I sweat so much; it's just it just slides all over the place. So I've never never really had that. I think if it was dry, you probably would. Right. So, but I've, I've never had that problem. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people have, have a shirt that they wear to to kind of pad that. But now we yeah. we talked about the Vegas residency. I was going to ask you. Um, so I mean, how cool is that? I mean, you go there for what is it like a month or something like that? Yeah. And you play three times a week or four times a week or what's the schedule? Uh, things like four, yeah. And then the rest of the time you just hang out at the Hard Rock and just enjoy yourself. Yeah, man. But, it, it, I, but you know what? It sounds. It wasn't like that. We ended up being so busy. I thought we were. I mean, I did get to catch a few shows, but uh-huh. I thought we'd have so much more time off, and and, and we didn't really. It was kind of uh, a lot harder than I thought we'd be. Well, why is that? I, th- I think you. Um, it, we was also filming a documentary and, and doing, you know, doing the Viva Hysteria. They were filming that, so there was, you know, interviews. And, and the other thing is, you know, family members come out. Everyone has like a ton of family members coming out, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it was actually quite, quite exhausting. That's hard. You know, every every single night, you know, everyone would like kind of converge. So you'd, you'd I wouldn't get to bed till kind of late every night, way later than I am when I'm on tour. So. Uh, <laughs> Because you're hanging out afterwards and, and you're yeah. like being people. You've got to be sociable and take care of all your yeah. guests. And But, I mean, it seems like just – I mean, it's kind of – Hard Rock's becoming uh, famous for that. Guns N' Roses did it. I think a couple other bands. Motley Crue's done it. Um, is it something that you would you would do again? 
Absolutely. I mean, we, uh, I, I may moan about it, but it was great. I mean, I loved it. You know, we all did, actually. Oh, it was, yeah. Uh, very cool. It was just great going into your same dressing room every night, you know. <laughs> it it, sure, it cool. sure beats the old days of going into a van and driving uh, 12 hours down the queue. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> yeah, down the M1. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, 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 I, I was in Vegas a couple months ago, and I went and saw uh, the Rock of Ages play, which is, you know, it's a blast. I noticed in the movie... Def Leppard tunes were in it, but on the show, Def Leppard tunes aren't in it. What's the reason for that? Um, when they first pitched the idea, um, they said, "Well, can we include that?" And, and there was some it was some business thing. It was like I, I don't know what it was. Our, our management at the time said, "Well, you know, did, does anyone get paid for this?" And they said, "Well, no, but you know, all these other bands are doing it." And they said, "Well, you know." Call us when, when you're ready to do that. So that's really why that came about. I, I actually thought that would have been rectified by now because of, uh, you know, after we've done the movie and everything. Right. That they would have done that. So, uh, but yeah, it's a shame. But, you know, we'd have, we'd have actually been up for playing on it as well. So, but, you know, there you go. Yeah. Did, did you watch the, uh, did, you, did, you, did you check out the movie? Yeah, yeah. Would you think Tom Cruise as a singer, he did a pretty good job? I, I you know, considering he'd never sung before, he'd actually... Five months he actually spent in vocal training and, and, and everything. Wow. He'd never actually sung. So it was a, a brand new thing for him. And we, we met him and he was, uh, he said he was really nervous <laughs> 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 just doing it in front of us and, and stuff. So then it, it was pretty cool. So, you know. Yeah. yeah right. That's off to anyone who can do, do well, that. Well, and it's, it's become such an iconic, I mean, uh, I mean, the play is great and it's cool that it's named after you. Uh, but you're talking, I wanted to ask you uh, one last question about the new record. Um, how will you be releasing it? Because, you guys are kind of going out on your own. Uh, yeah. You know, and what's, what, what are you going to do when the, when the record's ready to go? I think there's, there's lots of different ways you can do it. You, you know, like everything kind of merged into like one company or two corporations, like even record labels or promoters or anything, you know, like you know, computer company, everything kind of merges in, mm-hmm. into one another. So uh, there's basically two options. You can either go with one of these major labeled if they make a, a really good deal yeah or, or you can just go out on your own and actually just um release it yourself through through an independent um uh, you know a licensing and distribution and everything and then just do your own promo mm-hmm. and that's a bit more difficult because there's, there's lots of different ways you can do that but um yeah so they're, they're the two options really so we, we, we haven't even got there yet because um you know the songs are not finished yet so right. there are some of them are, are quite along the way so it's um it's it's great, and you know it's going to be next year, so we've got a lot of time to actually think about that. But but you guys still aren't up on iTunes yet, are right. you? Now what no, is, not, what, what, is, what is your reasoning for that? that? Well, that was a brilliant master stroke by uh, Q Prime, our, our old management. Um, mm. They put a clause in our record contract that said that if there's a new medium that comes out, you know, it was mm-hmm. it was record, vinyl, cassette, then then CD. Yeah, right. They couldn't release it without our permission, which was amazing considering you know what happened with like Eminem and, and stuff like that and yes. everyone else you know they would get kind of they'd really get taken by the label they, mm-hmm. they, if they would actually put nothing into it iTunes would do all the work and the label just would, would get all of this profit you know like right. maybe 70-80% and, and, the, and the artist who done all the work would, would still get their kind of yeah. measly 15% or something so by doing that you know it allowed us to, to not let them exploit us in, in that way so 
you know, and, and again, you know, we're up for talking with them. If they're up for, you know, changing the, the, the structure, we're, we're totally cool with that. And then, then it'll all be up on, on iTunes. But uh, until that happens, it, you know, we're not going to do it. So you're kind of at odds with them right now then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, just waiting, really. I mean, it's, it's not, nothing kind of, you know, malicious or weird or anything. It's just uh, just waiting for the right time, it, you know. And, it's and, business. You're right. You're right. Which absolutely, is, you yeah. Know, I, I think that Def Leppard is, could be one of the last really big bands that is not up on iTunes. You know, I think the Beatles were the, one of the few holdouts. Zeppelin, uh, Sabbath, I think, isn't up yet. But and then, and then there's you guys. So you're kind of the the last of the Mohicans. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is very weird. Uh, and how is Vivian doing? He he he. We had uh, some some cancer issues. Is he is he doing good? Is he is he able to play and everything's cool? He's he's doing good at the moment. He um he had he had a, a back problem as well, so he's getting that sorted out, and and he's got he's got to get the the whole cancer thing checked again before we embark on the tour. Make sure everything's cool there. So. Uh, We've got a little while, yeah, but he's, he wants to get it done, you know, checked out before we uh, kind of get moving, you know. Now, do you have sure. do you have other uh, like somebody else that could could fill in for him if he has to miss a gig or two, or do you plan that far ahead, or would you just cancel we, the show? I mean, we probably could, you know, if, if it came down to that. But you know, Viv, you know, as as the last tour, you know, we wasn't even sure whether we'd be able to make it. You know, when we done Viva Hysteria, he, he yeah. really struggles with it but he actually got through it so we're just going to go ahead like that and, and deal with with anything you know any replacement or something you know if, if, right. if it happens yeah well i mean that's the best way to look at it you know he's yeah. you know he's, like you said we talked about earlier about the chemistry that you have as a, as a band it's hard to just throw somebody else in there especially when i mean you guys look what you guys did with rick allen you waited two or three years until he was ready to play with you again yeah definitely so when you go out and play live this summer what's still one of your your, your favorite song to play uh on guitar wise um i, I always like playing rocket as a song because it, it kind of you know, sums the band up. I think you know it's kind of, kind of got all the all the ingredients. But um, uh, I, I don't know because we, we both us and Kiss. Uh, uh, there's so much production on on this tour, mm-hmm. and and so much um, theatrics going off. That I, I think that the the show will have to be a little bit shorter for each band. You know, you have to get uh, get our stuff off, get their stuff on, right. get it all into place and everything. So I think every, everyone's going to be doing pretty much their best songs, their, their, their mm-hmm. most popular songs. I think that's the, the thing. So we probably won't be doing any deep cuts. We'd probably wait to Vegas for that. But it'll just be like an extravaganza. How do you guys even decide a set list at this point in time? You've got so many hits and so many songs that people love to hear. Um, I, I think the, 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 the obvious ones that you, you say, well, we can't not do this. I mean, we have to do Pour Some Sugar and we have to do Photographs. Yeah. Falling, and even let's get rocked and stuff like that. And there's a list of them. And then before you know it, you've kind of run out of space already. <laughs> so you're doing all this stuff anyway. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's a good position to, to to be in. It's a good problem to have. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So many hits, Kiss and Def Leppard, June 23rd, the tour starts. You can find all the dates online. And check out Man Ray's uh, new EP called I Surrender. Very, very cool stuff. I actually bought it. Uh, my cousin bought it on vinyl, actually. So we were oh, checking wow. out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so so many cool things. Phil, it's great to talk to you, man. And hopefully I'll get a chance to run into you this summer and we can make some, uh, we can juice together. Absolutely. And one other thing I've got to say, actually, when you were on The Talking Dead, you, oh. I, you were the best guest the most intelligent kind of uh, you had uh, the best answers I've, I've seen you know i've watched that show i'm a such a walking dead geek yeah <laughs> um you you were absolutely bang on 
profound stuff you were saying, and it was like just just right on. I was like, wow, about time. You know, they got someone who's really smart can answer all the questions. It was like you're the best guest, Wait, hands down. You know what's funny is I, I you text me after that, and I was like, wow, that's pretty that's cool. Right, like, you yeah. never know who's watching. But I was fortunate because I was on the week after Marilyn Manson was on, who right. who they have like said was the worst guest ever. So, uh, but I yeah. mean, the thing about that show is there's so many when you watch it and you don't realize it till the end, but there's so many little hints and kind of um, allegory of what's happening and how it relates to the overall theme of the show. You know what I mean? So I just really clocked into that and said like, okay, this is happening because that's going to happen later. You know what I mean? And, and it's, I think that's yeah. why it went over so well. Like, did you watch the season finale this year? Absolutely, yeah. Did, yeah. Do you so remember? Do you think? I, I, I mean, I thought it was a great cliffhanger, and I don't read the comics, so you know, I don't right, care about what's going on. I just like I, I, I think that those people are cannibals, you know, and they're oh, absolutely. Well, did you see the, when they actually ran past? Did you see the carcass? Yes, yes, right. I did. But here's what Pretty I was going to here's what I was going to point out. Did you? Did you? And you might have picked this up on your own, but at the. Uh, Halfway through, uh, Rick is teaching Carl how to catch a rabbit. And he shows, he says it's like a funnel. You build the little dirt trap like a funnel, and it leads the rabbit right into the trap, right? Right. Guess what happened at the end of the show? When they were. Wow. Remember the the, the, snipe, yeah. the snipers were shooting at them, and I remember people go, "Well, those guys were bad shots." No, they weren't trying to kill them. They were slowly funneling them into the trap, right? See, that, that, see you, 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 you've got me lost, actually. You're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. But that, that's it. You say that's why you were the best guest on there. Thanks, man. Like I said, you, you, yeah, everything on that show means something. So totally, well. that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely cannibals. Yeah, I agree. They're cannibals, yeah. and now we have to see. You know, you know, the thing about that show is somebody's going to get it. Like you don't know who's. I know. It's not like they're all <laughs> going to escape. Someone's going to bite it. You know. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, we can yeah. Uh, we can discuss this further this summer. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And thanks so much for doing this today, man. I'll let you go back to watching old Mike Tyson whip some ass. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you soon, Phil. Always great. Cheers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Talk is Jericho. Thanks to Phil Collin for the amazing interview. I can't wait to see Def Leppard and Kiss this summer. And thanks to all of you for listening. I know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to schwaz from, and you continue to schwaz mine, and I thank you for that. And I appreciate you using my Amazon link every time you do your online shopping. Really easy to find. Just go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page, then click on Talk is Jericho, and you see all three of my Amazon links. Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, and... Everybody's going Amazon, Amazon USA. (laughs) Every time you do it, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. That's the way I like it, and I know you like it too. No extra fees or hidden charges. You're getting your shopping done, and you're helping me out in the process. Listen, new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War, comes out July 22nd, and now... 
but lights go out even higher on the charts up to number 47 one crazed anarchist also doing great you can see the lyric video for both of those songs if you go to youtube as a matter of fact i'm going to play one crazed anarchist for you right now and if you like it Please go to podcast1.com, click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page, click on Talk is Jericho, go to Amazon and pre-order Do You Want to Start a War? If you do that, let us know on the Twitter at Fozzy Rock, and I will follow you, we will follow you, and might even DM you as well. So, ending the show, one crazed anarchist, new Fozzy, right here on TIJ. Screams to say 
anarchist What crazy 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 anarchist Alright, did you dig it? If so, let me know on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho, at Fozzy Rock, at I am Jericho. Also, tweet secret, go download the app, and you can check out uh, all the videos that I post. I'm insane on this thing. I post multiple uh, videos a day that go directly to your device. Uh, exclusively to you. Nobody else sees these amazing uh, documentations of my life, 90-minute videos. Like I said, I think I sent four out today. Don't miss out. Go check out the Tweet Secret app and see what is going on. And thank you once again for being here with me. I'll see you next week. You know I love you. Mm, Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. Another episode of Talk is Jericho. See you next week and a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. All right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors Mm -hmm. (laughs) and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh... Honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um... Well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call GEICO, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, Sunshine. (laughs) GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Syria Peace Talks? I'm Ben Thomas with an AP News Minute. Syrian rebels have rejected peace talks being proposed by Russia. They're accusing Moscow of failing to pressure its ally, President Bashar Assad, to end the conflict. Christmas may be over, but the shopping isn't. Hazel Ginn was at Macy's Herald Square in New York today. It's not too bad. Um, even we went up to the ninth floor and we managed to get in a queue of about four deep, so not bad. Yeah, yeah and it, we went to another one and it was only a couple, so we kind of timed it well, I think. America's research group, which focuses on consumer behavior, projects holiday sales up about 5% this year. Harley-Davidson is placing a renewed emphasis on teaching people to ride as part of its efforts to attract more customers. The company is expanding the number of dealerships with the Harley Riding Academy. The move comes as the industry grapples with years of declining sales and an aging customer base. I'm Ben Thomas.